Hey, Monique, I am so excited that you're here because th this was an interview that I was looking forward to uh, because you have a great approach when it comes to real estate investing. And uh, this is something that might be something that a lot of women will like to do, but they don't know if it's even possible for them. And uh, But before we talk about that part, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, you know, like, like, let's backtrack a little bit to tell us, you know, like, how did you become where you are right now? But tell us those beginning days. Okay. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here too. Yeah. Uh, I, I love, like you, I have a heart to inspire women to have abundance around money. My mission is to help 1 million women create financial freedom through real estate investing. So I love, I love what you're doing I'm, awesome. I'm there for it. Um, so for me, I did not, now I'm a real estate investor. I have over 1300 rental doors in 10 States, but I definitely did not start there. I knew nothing about real estate investing. What I'd been taught growing up was that you should go to college, go to grad school, and then become a doctor, professor, lawyer, or engineer. Like that was That's what Those you were mean. your options. Those are the options if you want to be successful. <laughs> and and that's like, the, that's the best you can hope for and attain. So I was a good student and I was a dutiful daughter. So I went, I went to college. I went to an Ivy League law school. I, I made it to um, a big law firm, partnership track, six-figure income. I had all the trappings. I, had, I did everything right. I, but I was completely miserable, really, really happy. Um, to give you an idea, I, I remember it was a Tuesday morning. I found myself in the emergency room. And when the doctor told me that I would ha have to stay in the hospital for several days, I ended up staying in the hospital for nine days because my, my appendix had ruptured. And then he said I'd have at least 30 days at home to recover. My first thought when he told me that was, Oh, thank God. I don't have to go to work for at least 30 days. Wow. Yeah. And then my next thought was, Oh, that's bad. <laughs> like I didn't realize how miserable I was until that moment. Yeah. If you're, if you'd rather be in the hospital with a life threatening excruciating illness and be at work, then there's a problem with yes. work. Right. I agree. And, and I, but I done everything right. So I went on this journey to figure out how to be happy uh, because I they don't know what causes appendicitis but I, th I think it was caused from stress and it was definitely the job that was killing me and I fell into real estate by accident the only thing I'd been taught about real estate was that you should buy your own house you, know, you get a job you buy a house which a house that you live in It's not an investment. So people think of it as an investment, but really it's something that takes money out of your pocket every month. It doesn't, and it hopefully it will appreciate over time, but it's not a really great investment for, um, for long-term wealth building. Even though that's, that's a traditional, that's a Everyone traditional tells you thing. That's what you yes, need to it's do. It's like the American dream, you know, find yeah. a job, get a home, have kids. That's, that's, what they they always say right that's what they say but i i've learned um probably through the the book rich dad poor dad yeah 
that an asset is something that puts money into your pocket every month. Liability is something that takes money out of your pocket every month. Even though the bank tells you your car and your house are assets, they take money out of your pocket every yeah. month. They cost yeah. you money. Whereas investments put money back into your, into your pocket. So luckily I went to get a, uh, a property to live in because that's all I've been taught. And LA, I live in Los Angeles, which is such an expensive market that even in 2005, when I was looking for a property and I was working as a lawyer in a law firm at a decent salary, I think I was making um, $145,000 a year. So I had a, I had a pretty good salary, but a starter home in Los Angeles, even back then was upwards of $600,000, $700,000. I'm not talking about a mansion in Bel Air or Beverly Hills. This is just a <laughs> starter Anything. home. In a neighborhood where you hope not to have a drive-by shooting, right? That's not what I hope. And I couldn't afford that alone. But a friend of mine who was in a similar boat suggests that we buy a a duplex together. The original idea was he'd live on one side, I'd live on the other side. And instead of finding a a house with two equal sides, we ended up finding this property that had a larger larger unit downstairs, a a two smaller two bedroom upstairs. There was a converted garage. There was a third unit in the back, and we each took a bedroom in the larger unit and rented out the two bedroom, rented out the one bedroom in the back. We even rented out our basement, and we started house hacking before that was a thing. I was like, "Oh my gosh, these people are paying our mortgage. That's awesome!" So I wasn't. I became an accidental landlord. I was not trying to be a landlord. I was just trying to be able to buy a house, which is what I was told. That's what you need to do. And then when I met my husband, he had a duplex. And after the 2008 crash, which banged us up quite a bit, but we ended up selling one of our properties and we started to flip houses, um, buy houses when they were on, on sale. And then we eventually learned about something called syndication, which is bringing groups of investors together to get larger properties. So then we started to do apartment buildings and uh, bigger things. Uh, we have mobile home parks. Now we're doing a lot of industrials. So we, we own factories. It's really cool. Um, but so let me ask you, <laughs> let me ask you one question. So were you, uh, were you already married when you were at that job that you hated and you had your appendix? No, I wasn't. Okay. Right. So you were still single. And so what happened? What was the transition when you decided to buy your home? Were you still working there or was after before? So I was still working as a lawyer, but I was in a different law firm. So it took me a while to figure out. I was, I was like, do I just hate this place or do I hate the practice of law in general? So I went from law, one big law firm to another big law firm to a smaller law firm. So I was trying different things yes. within law. Um, I practiced law for 10 years. So I was, you know, it was not a straight shot to get out of there. And, but I, when I bought my house, I was single and I, and I, but I ended up that first property I bought with a friend, but we were, we were both single at the time. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so then, um, so then after you met your husband, that's when you left the law firm or you were still yeah. be. Oh, oh, so let me tell you about the story of leaving law. <laughs> Which, yes. That's yeah. what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I was going through all of these um, changes to try to see where, if I could, you know, where to find happiness in law. 
And I, I never, I never even thought about being super happy. I just didn't want to be in a job that would kill me. <laughs> like literally it was like, make me, it made me sick because I wasn't just appendicitis. I also had shingles. I had oh like gosh. panic attacks, like, you know, yes. a lot of things that sent me to the, to the, to the emergency. My body was like, get out. Don't yeah. do this. But, um, so I, I kept trying to find my, the right place. But my, my identity was very tied up with being a lawyer. I'd invested a lot of time and money to do that. So um, I, I, I got married in 2007, and then I was pregnant. And I was in a small law firm at the time. And my boss called me into his office it was about a week after, exactly a week after I told him I was expecting. And I, I thought he was going to give me a bonus because I'd been working so hard. And instead he fired me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> I was just, well, I don't even know if I said anything. I think I was in shock. I was just speechless. Like what? So I, he, he fired me, which was not welcome news at the time. It ended up being one of the best gifts I've ever gotten. Did not feel that way. So, Do you think that he fired you because you were pregnant and now he thought that you were not going to perform the same way? I, I, I think so. He was not a, he was not a good person. He fired somebody else who went away on uh, sick leave with cancer. Anyway, that was a long wow. story, but it does. The point is he, he did give me a gift in firing me. Um, so at that, at that point, I was pretty pregnant. It was almost six months. And I said, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to hire me this pregnant. I'm just going to wait until after I give birth, have a short maternity period. Then I will look for another job. And uh, so my daughter was born late August of 2008, less than a month later, the economies in like the markets are free fall. Like the economy yes. just tanks. It is not a good time to be looking for a job. It was like the job market was non-existent. Right. And um, so luckily we had, and it, it was actually a, a incredibly tough, time for us um, financially. And I thought we were pretty well set up, right? We had, we had jobs, we had some savings, we had 401ks. Um, my husband was self-employed as a graphic designer. He'd had a, a great client who kept him very, very big client, kept him busy for years. So we thought we had everything set. And then we had even an extra property. It didn't, it didn't cash flow because LA is hard to cash flow. It was actually negative cash flow. It cost us a little bit every month <laughs> to own it. But we're like, oh, but we have another property. All that's great. Within a few months, though, we were drowning in credit card debt. We liquidated our retirement accounts. We were in a very bad, like, we had, we hit, so not only was it fired, we hit this crisis proof crisis because my, you know, my husband, that one client, major client he had, stopped hiring him. His business went down 90% and was really, and we had a newborn. We had three, uh, he had two kids from a previous, so we had three kids, mouths to feed. It was stressful. Um, very, very stressful. And I, and I wasn't sure how I was going to make it. And there were actually times when I would think longingly, I had a $1 million life insurance policy. And I was like, you know, there were times where I thought if I could, give that light, you know, if I could go <laughs> and they would give it to my family, like I would have like, that's how stressful wow. it was. Yeah. Um, 
And what ended up happening was that we were able to sell one of our, one of the, one of the properties we had to do a short sale on the house we're living in, but we had this we had two other properties. We moved into one, we sold the other one and that the money from that we were able to use to start, we started to flip and buy houses and, and that saved us. And we, and then what I started to do um, and what we started to do, luckily is we started to create multiple income streams, right? Um, most of us are, t- I think of financial stability as a table. And most of us are taught to have one leg under that. Each, each leg is a stream of income. Yeah. So we're taught one leg, which is our job. Okay. So we had two legs because we had the, the job and then my husband self, you know, his, his business self-employed, but there was really only one leg to his <laughs> business too, because he had like one client that was 90% of his business. So I lost my one leg. And so we're already very shaky. And while I was, you know, waiting for the, my pregnancy, whatever, we were going through our savings anyway. And then he, and then when the economy crashed, there went our table crashing down with us. And what I have since learned is the importance of what I call creating crisis proof finances, because crises happen in life. You might lose your job, you get sick, there's a divorce, there's a death, there's things happen that will rock you and can, and if your finances aren't handled, it will take you down very quickly. But to have a really steady table, you need multiple legs of your table. Most of them should be passive, so not tied to your time. And so you don't have to so they're like, I have three jobs. So it's like, I have three legs. It's like, well, but what if you can't work? <laughs> there goes, there goes your table. Yes. So what we started to do is create legs under our table, multi, you know, multiple income streams. So we had, we've had, we have lots of real estate, but then there's intellectual property, we some books and we have just, so we just have a lot of different legs. And I was so grateful this you know, the past year during the, it was like a very challenging economic time. It still is for many people, but it was so different, you know, like 2020 versus 2008. Because in 2008, my, you know, our legs were based off of our, our income, our jobs, our active income. We weren't able to do that. There came our table. But at this 2020, we had so many, we had so many legs. That, you know, business was like, my main revenue driver is live events, couldn't do live events. We had all this other stuff holding up our table. And, you know, where I was able to pivot in the business, we did virtual events. And it's been, it's been fine. It's been great. Actually, we can expand even more, touch more people this way. But I've had, I have legs now. Yes. tell, Tell me some of the legs that you created during that time, after that time. Yeah. So, um, different lives that we created. So we had, we have since, um, one of the things we started to do, which is, was not quite doing lives, which I, I didn't know at the time, but we started to flip. We thought of real estate investing and we thought of the HGTV shows about flipping houses. That's, yeah. <laughs> and that's a way of investing, but it's active. It's not very passive income because you buy a house, you fix it up and then you sell it. Then you have to do that again. Your your tax it's taxed as ordinary income. It is ordinary income, and you just have to keep doing it again and again in order to keep getting paid. 
So instead, we said, well, how can we create passive income streams? So buy something once, put it, put in tenants, and and just get them paying again and again. At first, I started to look for something in Los Angeles, looking for a fourplex. And but LA is does not cash flow. It's so expensive. It's overpriced. Yeah. I was going to spend two million dollars for a fourplex and not not have any <laughs> cash flow. Yeah. So it made no sense. Um, and then I ended up meeting a man who would eventually become my mentor. I met him through a mutual friend. And we were having this conversation, and I was telling him how I was like the flipping. It was getting very frustrating too. Also, it was getting a lot more competitive, and the houses when we started was towards the bottom of the market so we can easily buy properties. And there was so much, there was, there was so much upside, but that, that upside the, started narrowing. It was a lot more competitive, a lot harder to find properties. And then I couldn't find a property locally that would cash flow. And he said, to, the first thing he said was, you know, LA is a really tough market. I always say, live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense. And I went, oh, <laughs> Until he said that, I assumed I had to invest where I lived, where I could drive to my property, touch it, self-manage it. I did not realize until that moment that I could invest anywhere. So that literally opened up the world to me. And then the other thing he said was, and you can buy that fourplex by yourself, but you're limited to your own capital and credit. So alternatively, you can bring a group of investors together and you could buy a 100 or 200 unit apartment building. And he started telling me about the value and the benefits of that. Yeah, my my brain exploded. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> That's a thing? You, like regular non-billionaires can do that? I honestly did not realize that that was even within the realm of possibility for me. And I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, it's like, and not just that, but I want to be around people that think that's normal because yeah. until then everyone I was around thought the fourplex was a really big deal. Yeah. And they just were amazed that we were doing anything in real estate. But when I found out about that, like, yeah, I want to, I want to be around people who, who think, you know, who are doing seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever <laughs> deals. And, um, and that's normal. I wanted, they wanted to think bigger. I wanted to, to, to play bigger. So that first year we went, we had two, two rental doors at the beginning of the, of the uh, year 2016. By the end of the year, we had over a thousand and that was through. Oh my gosh. Uh, partnering with other people, bringing groups of investors together. So and, yeah. in one year you went from 16 to a thousand. From two. From two to a thousand. To a thousand and twelve. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. So the, um, just just to ask you a little bit more about that. So mm-hmm. basically, where, with the cash flow that you were generating, you were able to invest more on other properties? Yes. Yeah, so it was, partly it was a cash flow and partly it was the sweat equity of putting together the deal. So okay. for as a syndicator, as a sponsor, when I put together the deal, I get a share of the equity and cash flow for my efforts. Okay. So that, so that, you know, with finding the deal, putting together the financing, putting together the team, doing all of that stuff, you get a share of the, so I would put together a deal. I would get 15% or 25, 20% of the deal for that. 
And then, so I, my investors are making money and I'm making money. And then we'd put some money into the deals well as on the equity side. So all of that was, had More been passive was driving. Income. Yeah. That's so awesome. partly it was like passive income and then some active income Yes. from the, you know, from our work as the active investors on those deals. Great job. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's great. And then I'm going to go back to, um, this last year, right? The pandemic that obviously came out of the blue. Nobody was expecting for years. People were, were saying, Oh, there's going to be another recession. And this one came in a form of a pandemic. And I know that there's a lot of people that has been able to thrive right during this time because they have found the opportunities. But at the same time, like with real estate, I do have, I'm curious about this this because the government has put what is called the mortgage moratorium mm-hmm. is has that affected your investments um so all of the government intervention has affected us in a couple of ways first the uh the eviction moratoriums it cer- certain of our properties were affected more than others. So we have industrial, a lot of industrials and these commercial okay. properties that those were fine, not affected there. Um, they were, although we have, we had one set of properties that have, um, it's a business. We have a six business parks in, in Houston, Texas, and uh, some of those 109 spaces, some of those spaces are, were filled with retail um, some retail businesses or even churches. We had three churches and they weren't able to meet. So there were some, some of those businesses or had, had a hard time paying rent, but there was a lot of support um, with the PPP money and everything. So we were working with them to try to get them to be able to pay rent. And so, but that, that was rocky. The other ones that were, um, they were essential businesses. They were fine on the, on the residential side because we had eviction moratoriums are so there are different classes of real estate some, some um, a class the nicest the nicest uh, level you know the, the fanciest parts of town B class is a step below that you know, middle class um, areas C class is like a step below that um, so in a C-class area, that's where you're going to have the check cashing places and um, so the most working class areas. And then there's D-class, which is really bad with the boarded up windows. Those are the, the war zone areas of town, a lot of prime. So we have, um, we have B-class and C-class mostly, uh, B and C-class uh, properties. So our B-class, so that, that clientele did fine pretty much. So some were affected, but most of them, were able to switch, work from home. They were more likely to have savings. Um, that the B class, like a tiny bit, but they were okay. The C class, we had we had more trouble with. Partly, it was because a lot of our our C class, we have a portfolio of C class houses um, in Jackson, Mississippi. A lot of those folks took a eviction moratorium to meet to mean rent moratorium. So they're like. Oh, we don't have to pay rent. They're like you do, but they were like, no, we don't. <laughs> so a lot of them just stopped paying rent. Yeah, not really great for the the bottom line cash flow. So some of our so those properties um, struggled a lot um, and are still struggling because you know they they haven't 
know, we work with them and try to give them money so they yeah. can pay rent and there there's been help with it, but um, that, that struggled. But luckily, because we have such a diversity of um, real estate in different parts of the country, in different asset classes, even though we had some that were struggling, um, we had, again, multiple legs. So one, you know, we had some shaky legs and then we had most of our legs that have, have been pretty strong. So that's important. So is, is it, you know, like having diversity and even within one class, which in your case is real estate, is mm-hmm. important yes. because you don't know where unexpected things are going to come. So, yes, it's, it's great to diversify in different classes, but then it's also a good to diversify in, inside one class to have diversity as well. Yes, especially so, since most of my money is in real estate. Yes. So I want to be diversified. I have some in stocks and then some a little bit in crypto. You know, I have you know my money around, but mostly it's in real estate. But it's very well diversified across you know the real estate asset classes um, and and geography. And it's not. And so a lot of people will ask me, "Well, isn't you know the real estate market is very high? Isn't this is a bad time to invest in real estate?" say, well, it's not one market like like the the Dow Jones, right? It's not one market. It's every every different type of every every neighborhood even kind of has its own market. Is that even yeah. every city? Then there's sub markets within a city. So and there and then depending on what you were buying there, an, an industrial is going to behave very or self storage uh, or a single family house, multifamily, mobile homes, all of those behave differently. And so they're all on their own cycle, depending on where they are and depending on the type of real estate it is. So there's always opportunity in real estate. There are always ways to make money. So some might be very high, it's a little too expensive, but then there's other things that are, you know, that are bargains right now. Um, so, or that they're, they're well positioned. So it's just finding out where the opportunities are, what you want to do, and then going in that direction. Okay. So what would you tell our audience that um, they want to find ways to, again, to have more streams of income or become smart women with money and with your expertise, which is real estate, is if there is there some that is something that they want to look at? What would you what would you say? Yeah. So, what I would say so if you have a job, you have about streams of income. Peel away at least ten percent that you are using that you can invest that will go towards. You want your money growing. You want your money working for you. You don't want to just work for your money. Yeah. I think that's what smart money will do. Yeah. So you well, mostly when I, I have a mission to help 1 million women create financial freedom through real estate investing. And I define financial freedom this way. You have enough passive income streams that it equals or exceeds your expenses. Yes. Once your expenses are handled, then, then you have freedom to decide what you can do with your time. Then you then, then I think we, at we as women, will do what we're we're going to share the gifts we were born to share. We're going to do what we're meant to do. Correct. Because we, we're not bound in any way by money. So that's my goal. And for a lot of us, it's not that high of a goal, right? When you really look at all your expenses, it's very doable. 
It's not yes. that you, you need, like most people don't need, you know, yes. anywhere near like tens and tens of thousands of dollars a, uh, a month, right? Most people can, it, it's not that, it's, pre- it's pretty, pretty attainable. So what to do is to start getting your money working for you. Take, you know, what's extra and then start getting it working. Now, and a lot of women will think, well, I, I'm not going to, it's going to take me forever to get enough money to invest in real estate because you need oodles of money <laughs> to invest in real estate. So I was talking to somebody yesterday. She used that, that exact term. She goes, don't you need oodles of money to invest in real estate? <laughs> I said, no, um, which is why I wrote my guide, which I think is a, you're, we're offering for free here. Investing in real estate from $1 to $1 million, investing strategies for every budget and every goddess. And I wrote that because so many women think they can't invest because they don't have enough money and they, whatever, however much money they think they have, they're like, I'm going to need, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or whatever, before I can get into the game. And that's not true. You actually can invest with as little as $0. And I share several strategies that are lit little to no money down strategies. So it might take some elbow grease. It takes some, some education and some, it'll take your time, but it won't, it won't take money. So there are a lot of different ways you can invest that you don't need any money to have to start, to get started with. And then there are other ones because a lot of women too will say, yeah, it sounds really great, but I'm so busy. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I have a job, I have kids, or so many of us, we've also been homeschooling. Thank you, Jesus. My daughter just started school, like in-person school for the first time since June 2019, just like giving me hours back of my day. I'm so excited. But nice. I was like, also homeschooling, having businesses, all that is a lot, right? So you, you know, we've been so busy that we, a lot of, a lot of women think they can't, they can't do it because they don't have the time to do real estate. Well, there I, in that guide, I also share several strategies that are passive that require little to no time, a little bit of time to set it up in the beginning. But once it's set up, you just sit back and you allow the money to come in. There's nothing for you to do. Uh, and then the last thing that keeps a lot of women from getting in the game is that they're really scared to be landlords. They don't want to get a call in the middle of the night about a toilet, <laughs> have yeah. to deal with, um, you know, I call the, the three T's tenants, toilets, termites. And, and so, <laughs> yeah, trash as a fourth T <laughs> because of, because of that, a lot of them are just like, Oh my gosh, I would hate to have to evict anybody. I don't want to have to ever do that. Um, and I, it's like, I don't think it can be a landlord, so I can't get into real estate. Well, there are ways to invest in real estate where you don't have to deal with the, the three yeah. T's or the four T's. You don't have to ever, ever speak to a tenant. You won't have tenants and you're, and, and they're, and those are great strategies too. So I share all of that in that guide. Because so I, make sure uh, to grab it right here. Make sure to take advantage of that. That's awesome. Yeah. I want every, every woman to know you can do this. You can get in the game. You can start creating your legs. You don't, it, there's no, there's no excuse. It can be done. Perfect. Thank you, Monique, for sharing all of these things, because 
because again, a lot of times we feel that, like you said, oh, I have to make a gazillion of dollars before I can invest in real estate. And, uh, and it's not, and, and, or even to have different uh, ways to substitute our income because we, th we are thinking on like, oh, in order to be able to do that, I have to make millions of dollars. And it just start by, if you just think about, okay, what are my expenses? I think that that is a, a more attainable goal, right? It, and it's not as scary. And then yeah. if you focus on, okay, what do I need to do in order just to substitute my income right now is actually more reachable, right? It's, it's, it, it feels a little bit closer than thinking of, oh, I have to be a millionaire or multimillionaire right now. No, do you, if you start with that, right? If you start with just substitute, substituting your expenses, then you can grow from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's awesome. no upper limit, but the, exactly. that first baseline for most of us is very, very attainable. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you so much. That, you know, that's absolutely great. And uh, I really appreciate that you're here uh, for sure. And I'm sure that our audience of Smart Women, Smart Women with Money is appreciating that too. So, uh, so again, make sure to click on the link so you can learn a little bit more about those, uh, the seven steps and also learn more about Monique. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Have a good day.